Smith and Jones back like we never left. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And uh, the daily edition has become a weekly edition, so we appreciate you sticking with the show, staying faithful to the show, and we've got you for the next hour and lots to dive into as it was a very busy week for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and, well, an impressive victory coming on Friday night over the Houston Rockets. And granted, yes, I know I just said an impressive win over the Rockets. The Rockets have not been good this year. They've been downright bad. A lot of young pieces, a lot of reason to be optimistic about the future for the Rockets, but they have not had a good season at all. But, to their credit, they came in ready to go last night against the Raptors and jumped out to a 24-point lead on Friday night. Dead last in the Western Conference, dead last in the NBA, but they were taking it to Toronto a day removed from an impressive Raptors victory over the Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday night, and maybe a little bit of hangover for the Raptors, maybe a little bit sluggish on a back-to-back, maybe taking an opponent a little bit for granted at first, and a 24-point lead by the Rockets. The Raptors eventually come back to wipe that out, tie the game, before the Rockets respond by going up 10 again, carrying that 10-point lead into the fourth quarter, and then the Raptors come back again, go up four late, end up winning the game by two. The Rockets had a chance to tie or win it at the buzzer they miss. And Toronto now, with the victory over the Rockets, sitting in the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors have won three in a row. They are 8-2 and two over their last ten. They've got one game remaining on Sunday against the Knicks before they then get almost a week off and await the first round and the first game of the first round. But they still don't know, Jonesy, what seed they'll be in, who they're playing, and whether they're going to start at home or on the road. And there's only one game left in the regular season. It is bonkers right now in the NBA from two through to five. Well, the NBA got exactly what they wanted, didn't they, Eric? Uh, When you look at the standings, um, you have probably, if you count New York and Washington, you probably had 12 teams playing till the final week of the season with playoff hopes. And, and the same in the West. If we look at the Lakers, you had 11. So you had, you know, 80% of the league going all out in the anti-tanking mode because they thought they could get into the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. And I, I look at the East standings right now with, with Toronto, um, three clear in the loss column of Toronto of Chicago, like one game to go. Uh, by the way, kudos to Eric Smith for saying that the Cleveland Cavaliers would fall. I didn't think they would, not this precipitously, but they did. Injuries helped that, but, uh, you know, they're an eight right now looking at a play-in game against the Nets. But if you look at the Raptors, they could get any one of those teams at the top. It, well, actually... No, they they can't get Miami, but they could get Milwaukee, Boston, or or Philadelphia. And I don't think they should fear any of them. The team that I would want the least is Milwaukee and then the Celtics. And I think Philadelphia might be one of the better matchups. Um, Philadelphia has two relatively, quote-unquote, easy games left and should hold Toronto off for the four spot. But... Wouldn't it be something if the Raptors actually got to open at home? And I, I kind of think it's better for them in a strange kind of way on the road to put the pressure on the home team, especially Philadelphia if they get them uh, because they've had a good season against them with 3-1. and one. Now, those games don't mean anything. 
come playoff time, they, they, they mean absolutely zero because it's a different ball game. There's time to prepare. There's adjustments within the series, but Toronto's had a formula um, for playing all of these teams, and it's just a matter of tweaking it. So you're right, though. Bonkers in the East. We still don't know what's happening. I mean, there's one game between 7 and 10 in the East for the play-in tournament. It's still wide open and up in the air. Uh, So... Uh, the NBA got exactly what they wanted, and it is going to be uh, lots of fun. You know, if you're the Miami Heat, you're thinking, like, keep Brooklyn away from us. We'll take Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte, both the latter two who are in our division, but we don't want Brooklyn. And you know what? Uh, I'd kind of like to see Brooklyn in. <laughs> Brooklyn. I'd like the Nets to lose the 7-8 game, whoever. Maybe it'll be Atlanta, and there'll be a shootout. And... and and Atlanta beats Brooklyn, and then Brooklyn has one to win, and they beat either Charlotte or Cleveland, and then they get eight, and we get Miami Brooklyn in the first round. That would be that would be that would be amazing. Milwaukee's not. I, I'm not. I'm sure that none of those teams are looking forward to playing the Brooklyn Nets, even though they haven't had it together all year, and they could uh, very well explode and blow up in your face. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be great. We got the play-in time set. We don't know who, but we've got the time set this week. And it'll be good if you're the Raptors to just kick back and chill. E, I, I got something for you, Eric. Yeah, go for it. Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet has been off for a few games. I mean, resting. And there's always the rest-rust argument. I think, as Nick did yesterday, you keep playing those guys to give them some work. He needed to play them yesterday to win. But who knows what happens tomorrow, depending on, you know, Philadelphia. Um, And it's interesting, all the teams in the play-in tournament, their games start at 3.30 tomorrow. And all the games that are looking for seeding start at 7. You know, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Toronto, those all start at 7. And the other games start at 3.30. So there can be no shenanigans about, uh, looking for a dance partner. But y- your thoughts, E, on Fred Van Vliet. Like, you want him rested, you want those knees healthy, but don't you want him to play a little bit and not have, like, 10 days off because you don't want him rusty come playoff time? You know, I, I, I hear that, Jonesy, and I wouldn't mind seeing him play a little bit tomorrow, but then there's another part of me, maybe it's the other the other voice on the other shoulder that's saying, honestly, don't get is injured. it really going to matter? You know, like, yeah, because yeah. yeah. if he plays 15 or 20 minutes against the Knicks, but then the Raptors don't play again until likely Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. So he's going to have six or seven days off even after he plays those 15 or 20 minutes. Is that really going to make a difference? So you know what? Why not just let him rest then? Don't risk, as you just said, yeah, risk no, the and, and here's don't risk yeah. anything and let him chill. Eric, I think back to the year that the Raptors lost to Cleveland in the second round, in the sweep that eventually ended Dwayne Casey's tenure in Toronto. Game 82, the Raptors were 59-22 and 22 going into Miami. And yep. I, I think they went for it, rightfully so, to have a 60-win season. Rightfully so. Like, that's rare. And... I remember Fred getting banged on a screen and it just, 
it hurt his shoulder and he was he was he had a tough time in the first round series although the raptors got past it like that's the last thing you want guys getting hurt and and you're right it's it the way they play the way they work yeah, there might be a little bit of rust there but the other team's going through the same thing with with a week off um maybe you give them a little bit of work and then just say okay sit down i i i agree it'll be interesting to see what 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 nick does tomorrow what the plan is and uh I, you know i just they're bigger things to look forward to right so uh, well here's the other thing jonesy the win means means nothing yeah i i think the other thing is the win could mean something depending on what happens with the pacers tonight because as you laid out off the top it could still be home court for the raptors but it won't be if Philadelphia beats Indiana tonight. So I think much of what we're discussing right now in relation to what Nick does with Fred or Pascal or Gary Trent or anybody else, I think will be impacted by the outcome of tonight. If you ultimately are playing for nothing tomorrow, with no disrespect intended to records or anything or anything else, I don't think there's a difference between 48 wins and 49 wins. If you're locked into the fifth seed and you're locked into opening on the road and you're locked into playing the 76ers, then there's no point in having to put anybody out there that doesn't need to be out there. But if you've got a chance going into tomorrow to potentially still be playing for the fourth seed in home court, then everything we're discussing is out the door because I think you do have to go for that win. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, the, I, I guess the bigger picture in all of this is the Toronto Raptors could win 40 they've won 48 they could win 49 games and it's very much like the year that they broke through against Brooklyn you know the first 3 years of that before the the, the run of eight consecutive years in the playoffs was 23 34 and then boom they jumped to 48 and that was it they never looked back 48 49 into the 50s a 59, a 58, the year they won the championship. Like, as we've always said, they're starting from a better place right now. This is the first year after the rebuild, you know, a first year of the rebuild, and they're already 48 games. Uh, and I think not people in the locker room, but it probably exceeded expectations. Well, certainly, I mean, I keep going back to Vegas, 36 and a half. It exceeded expectations. And... They have to be careful now not to be impatient. And it's not linear. Okay, folks? They're not that 48 doesn't mean it's gotta be 50 or 51 next year or it's a it's a, a, a lost season. No. They could improve and with people looking at them as a better team and not sneaking up on anybody, they, they could win forty-four next year or forty-five but yet be a better team in terms mm -hmm. of the development. So just pump your brakes, manage the expectations. Um, but good for them. You know, good for them. Good for the team. Good for Masai, Bobby, Dan, Nick, and his coaching staff, all the players in that locker room. Uh, they, they achieved something this year, and they've continued to uh, solidify Raptor culture. Here's the way we do things, and here's what we expect. Well said, Jonesy. Well said. And and to, to amplify your point about, you know, maybe uh, taking a step back potentially in wins, but maybe being a better team, 
I don't know if this applies to this theory, but take a look at what Atlanta did, right? They've been the prime example all season. The Hawks in the conference finals last year and now in the playing tournament this year, albeit still above 500. And will they be set up for another run or will they be set up for a drop and a dip? And then people looking going, well, hold on a second. Hey, they're still the 500 plus team. They're still a winning team, but is it the right chemistry, the right mix? You never know that moment in time. And is this the moment in time for the Raptors? Does this start something special when you look ahead to the improvement of Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent and the core and everything else? It's a fun time, but I think that managing those expectations Many people, not you and I, you and I did say this was a team that was likely in the six, seven, eight, and here they are, maybe proving us wrong by maybe finishing four or obviously at five, but they are a playoff team, but I don't know that that automatically means that I've got them vaulting up into a top three next year and being a championship contender. Let's see what happens over the next two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and when the dust settles in June. And a guy that's a part of that as well, uh, our colleague, our friend, former Toronto Raptor, Sportsnet television analyst, and normally when the show was on Monday to Friday, we were talking about Alvin Williams Wednesday, so I don't have like any fun alliteration for a Saturday afternoon, but Alvin is a part of the show, and we want him to be a part of the show as we do this thing weekly throughout the postseason, and we bring him into the conversation right now, the aforementioned Alvin Williams. Al, we always appreciate the time. What's up, guys? How are you? Thanks for having me, as always. Get, get, hey. Hey, get your marketing team on that one. He had the first one, Alvin Williams Wednesdays. It, that, I mean, you know, Saturdays with Alvin, you know, r- running with Williams on a Saturday at the park, like blacktop Saturday. Like that, that your marketing team got to get on that one, man. We I, gave I, I you already one. got it. I already, you need, wait, you I need just, to come to just the table me. with one. It just hit me right now. It's time for Williams on the weekend Uh-oh. with Alvin Williams. There we go. I I don't like it as much as Alvin Williams Wednesday, but Williams on the weekend. It's got a pretty good ring to it. Um, Al? I was going to say Saturday Sips. Saturday Sips with Alvin. (laughs) That's that's my weekend weekend break. (laughs) And and, and I'm I'm only sipping water, brothers. Only water. Well, that that just killed me then because I was going to say, please send a care package to the Smith household. I wouldn't mind sipping on something right now, Al. Um, All right. Al, what will the Raptors be sipping on when the dust settles come, like, uh, June? Will they be sipping their tea on the 19th tee? Or do they have a legit chance here at actually going on some sort of a run here? Like, like how do you kind of see this playing out? Because right now, it looks like, it looks like, and it could change, it looks like it could be a first round against Philly, and that may be the more preferred matchup when you think about Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. What do you think? You know, it's, it's the beginning of the year. You know, there was uncertainty. It was, it was wasn't quite sure what this team could be. I remember hearing the uh, the interviews early on during training camp, and you know, not sure where the scoring was going to come from. What what this team was going to be. Now, I think it's the same type of questions you had, same type of questions you have now in the postseason. Because how how are how Scotty going to perform as a rookie? You know, in the postseason, how you know is, is Pascal? Has he he's taken that leap regular season? Now is the same Pascal is going to be the one that we know he's going to be in the in the postseason? Is Fred? All the teams like so now this is chance for all of the players who've been here. Now this is their team fully, solely their team in a postseason play, which is a different season. So there's still doubts, but when you look at the when you look at the structure and you look at the way the team does play, multiple positions, everything we know what this team is built on. They're going to cause any team a problem. 
Um, the one thing that you always look at as championship teams, do you have that dominant big? Do you have that person that's going to defend the paint? We know the game has changed to the degree, but that's still an important piece. But defensively, this team is playing at a high level, and the superstars are playing at a high level. So I think that's always a great recipe to have some type of success in the postseason. But once again, there's some uncertainties, but I think this is the time we're going to find out. And I believe this Raptors team can give anybody a, a challenge because of their makeup and how the best players are playing right now. Al, let me ask you this, and, and we say it all the time, and you just hit on it and touched on it there. No game in January or February or December means anything after April 15th. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. I know the Raptors are 3 and 0 against Milwaukee this year, 3 and 1 against Boston. They split with Miami and Boston, uh 3 and 1 against Philly. They split with Miami and Boston. Those those 16 games don't mean squat right now cuz it's a new season. And sometimes when adjustments come about in a playoff series where you're staring a guy down for 10 days to 2 weeks, you have to do things to change to get past him. How do the Raptors, as you talked about with Scotty as a rookie, with Fred and Pascal as the man now in the playoffs, how do they stick to their personality and just make adjustments to not be derailed and not try to alter their personality? Because, Al, we know the team that changes its personality in the playoffs loses. You, you, you don't dance with the girl you brought. You start to try to dance another way. You, you, it, that's not going well. How do they do right. that? Because there are going to be adjustments, and it's, it's different from a Wednesday night in February. Yeah, and the one thing I, I could say about this team, they, they do have the experience from knowing that, you know, winning the championship. You have your players that's been there, has been part of that championship run, a big pieces of the championship run, although they weren't. The the, uh, the number one guys, but they were big pieces of the success of the Raptors team. And they've been through a few things. So I think they're very comfortable with who they are, and they have that understanding. They have a, a high level of maturity. They have high level of leadership. But I also believe this is when collectively you put the coaching staff and the players all together and make sure you don't get derailed in, in, that, in that standpoint. And you make sure the players who haven't been here in this position they understand it's key to be who you are. I remember when we made the playoffs the first year in like 2000, and I remember D Brown saying, yo, we are who we are. And he took it to a point where like, if you guys are going out, you know, don't start, you know, trying to get your rest now do what you've been doing to get to this point. But I also remember a superstar in Vince Carter and a young Tracy McGrady and more so Vince Carter. Vince Carter was having an outstanding year that 2000 year. And when we got to the playoffs, it was a whole different beast, right? And it wasn't many players better than Vince Carter or playing better than Vince Carter that year. I remember him scoring, scorching, you know, the Suns for 50 and winning game winners on dunks against the Houston. He was doing everything. But when the playoffs came and that game planning and that season, as you mentioned, Josie hit, it was a different, it was a mm -hmm. different approach. And that's what the players have to realize. Like when you hit that first game and, they're calling the plays out before you know the plays or they're in position before you get to your spot. How do you adjust and how do you, how do you, you know, overcome that psychologically? And that's going to be the biggest piece, right? The players are physically ready for it. It's mentally and emotionally. How can you get prepared for each game? Because every game is going to be emotional and every team is going to be, every, every game is going to be psychologically taxing. 
So that's the biggest part for the young players. And I think Fred and Pascal and the coaching staff, they can do a great job and a very, a very, a very important job of making sure everyone else is on that same page. Speaking with mm. Alvin Williams. Let me jump in go here. ahead, Jonesy. Yeah, go. Speaking with Alvin Williams. Al, so we always talk about this. It's important to have guys who can make a play in the playoffs because when you say three up and you run to your spot, that guy says, you know, oh, he, you know, he'll laugh with you and say, oh, make sure you, you hit hard on this pin down. Like they know what you're mm-hmm. doing. So it's important to have guys who can make plays. How do you feel the Raptors are stocked for guys that can, I mean, just make a play? They're stocked. I believe they're stocked. I believe you have a Pascal who's, I mean, I'm, just, I'm so delighted to see how he's grown in that position. And the thing that he's learned right now is how to use your teammates. And now it's going to be up to the teammates. We know that he's going to draw doubles. He's going to draw, you know, attention. So now being able to trust your teammates and those teammates responding. We looked for years with Giannis, right? People talked about Giannis wasn't showing up in the playoffs or people had their number. It wasn't the fact that he wasn't showing up. He was playing against a whole entire defense. You know, you look at him playing against, you know, the Raptors, and they would set the wall up and, he did. He already did his job by making sure everything else was easier for his teammates. The teammates didn't step up for him. So now I think Pascal has that same type of you know attention where the defenses are going to they're going to they're going to key in on him. And he's doing a good job of finding, being patient, picking his spots, and then offensively on his one-on-one matchups, he's dominating. He's dominating the smaller guys. He's dominating the bigger guys. You watch him against. Joel Embiid, Joel couldn't guard him. Danny Green couldn't guard him. Uh, uh, none of those guys could guard him. And he's getting his buckets, and he's also passing. So you have one guy in that. You have Fred who can make shots, big shots, right? Big threes from deep. He can make plays. You got Gary Trent Jr., who although he hasn't shown in the, in the playoffs, in the postseason, but we've seen him being able to get a shot and get streaky and things like that. So I believe that you have those players, and we don't even talk about OG. Right, OG, I believe yeah. he can get his ways in different ways from a post-up position. He can space the floor. So I feel like they have enough players, and they have that one player that can create a lot of attention in Pascal, and he has that respect. So it's going to be really interesting. But I do, to answer your question, I believe they do have enough players that can go get that bucket and create a lot of attention that can open up for the others. Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, I, I want to circle back for one second here to what you were just talking about a couple moments ago. Because I, I don't know, I, Jonesy, I think you do as well, but Al, I, I love hearing some of the, the, the older stories as well from, from your time playing. You mentioned D. Brown, you mentioned Vince Carter, but uh, keying in on, on the past and then the present, to follow up on your point about just sticking with what you do and sticking with the routines, the mindset, the, the, the livelihood, the everyday life that got you to this point. How difficult or not was that for you or for other guys to like, I, I mean, I, I, I try to apply it to my own life, but I'm, I'm nowhere near an athlete. I'm trying to think like, do I do things differently in my daily routine when the Raptors are late in the season versus early in the season? Or when it comes playoff time, is my prep any different? Or am I going to bed at a different time? Am I resting my voice? Am I prepping for a game any different? What about for the athlete though, that wants to go out and maybe you know, have be social or get more sleep or remove themselves from family and friends and, and, and try to hunker down. Like, like how, how rare or how common is that to either flip the script or to just say, nope, I'm sticking with what I have done and what got me to this point. 
I think I think it's important for you to stick to your script. I think you're you're in this position because of who you are and what you've done. Now you're going to have to make adjustments, right? You got to make adjustments, and you have to be aware. These are the playoffs, so more than just you know just the day of and its preparation. When you make it, when you make a choice, or say you want to be social, is is heightened media, is things, is is more storylines. You don't want to bring any distractions. You don't want to bring unnecessary attention. So when you talk about doing things socially or doing things in the public, whether that's something you've always done, right, you got to be mindful that it has bigger implications now because there is the playoffs. So it's just that piece of it. Now, if you can still go out there and get through it and your team is mature enough that they don't fall, you know, victim to to the headlines. And you guys remember, remember 2000 when – you know, first time we were in the playoffs, and our coach at that time was Butch, and some things happened off the court. Whether it was, you know, he, you know, he had a book coming out, or he had, you know, I think filed a lawsuit against Marcus Camby, and some of those things were brought into the locker room. I don't think it affected us at all playing, but there's some things that can happen. I think in the past, I think it was one year where a couple of Raptors were spotted going to the casino, I guess in Cleveland during the day, and they made they made a deal out of that, whether it was big or not, but. You got to be aware of that, but I think for the most part, your team is who your team is. That's why you've been successful, and that's why you've been in this point. But I think more importantly, you have to be ready to make adjustments, and you just have to be ready to to stay to stay with it and do whatever you've done to get to this point, but just do it better and do it in a way where you're better at the other team at doing what you do than you than they are at what they do. Al the. The energy of the playoffs is something of itself. And then you get a city like Toronto or the We Believe team in Golden State and, and, and in Aurorico Arena, as they called it back in the day. How much? And you've been on the court. And, and, and that energy works for you when you're in a hostile environment, too, if, you, if, you guys are, if your team is together. But what kind of impact does... Does the home crowd in Toronto have where, like I, I was told that in the first year of this of the playoff climb, they showed in the locker room almost as many people outside the arena in Jurassic Park all the way back to York Street as as people in the arena. And you're a player and you're in that locker room and you see that. What kind of an impact does that have on you? No, it has a, it has a big impact. You know, when you're when you're home and you have that crowd, sometimes more so when you just don't have that pop. You may not have that pop, or your legs a little they hurting a little more, and your, your knee may not feel as great, right? And you're, you're pushing through, but then the crowd is there, right? And you make that bucket, or you know you're you're getting through, and you hear that. You know, those are the things that push you through, right? As as an opponent, you invite that. Right, the louder the crowd is, the more exciting it is. Right, especially in the postseason, because that's how you you, kid, you you grew up as a kid dreaming of that. You grew up as a kid dreaming to hit the game winner or have a big game on the opponent floor and hush the crowd up, or you know, push the hush, put your finger over your mouth and hush everybody up. So, so the the opposing crowd necessarily don't affect the other team, but what they will do, they will give you that energy. They will give you the home team that that push when things just aren't right, you know, and a lot of times it's physically, emotionally and mentally you're locked in, but physically sometimes you're not feeling right. That crowd to get those juices going and, and you're ready to play. I can't tell you how many times my knees was hurting. I, I had to pop a Vioxx or something like that. But when you get in there and that crowd is there, 
all that, you know, other than making a basket, you forget everything else. Now, if you're missing baskets and you start feeling worse and worse, but that crowd, it gets you back in it. But it, the crowd is very important to the, to the home team from that standpoint. Al, Al we, we're not there tomorrow, but Eric and I, when we go to New York, always go and stand on that spot. It's just off the elbow <laughs> on, I think it's on the 8th, Eighth, no, sorry, on the Seventh Avenue side of Madison Square Garden, <laughs> in front of in front of what what is the opponent, uh, what would have been the Raptors bench, and you knocked down. It was like, like I said, about an eighteen footer, just a step or two off the elbow, and I can still see you with the purple on the front and the black on the back, and that like that Tiger Woods waist high fist pump like and rare show of emotion from Alvin Williams when you knock that down and that was like the ice pick in the back of the Knicks uh, in game five like I've never asked you this we Eric and I go and stand on that spot I've never asked you this what did it feel like man to make that you just talked about it being on the opposing floor like you're 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 not the kind of guy that's gonna wave the crowd goodbye or put the finger up to his lips and you all sit down but to me, that fist pump when you threw it waist high and like, and you ran back on D, it, that's what it said to me. All of it. Tell me about that feeling, man. And Eric and I have never talked to you about it, but we go and stand on that spot every time we go to the garden. Man, I, I tell you, even taking it further, I think Ian and I have talked about it over over food or maybe sips. But the year before that, you guys knew. You know, I wasn't having it. I wasn't playing much. I didn't shucks. I played 4.5 seconds that, that series before. And I remember hanging out with Charles Oakley for dinner. And we were hanging out. And I just remember the fanfare that Oakley was getting that first year, the year before that moment. And I remember being on the bench and just the energy. And now I played in the garden for the Big East Championship and NIT. It's always been exciting there. And – I remember sitting there to myself like one day, man, I gotta play in the playoffs. Like I have to play, like be on the court, not just on the bench. And then as they put it, I was there the next year. And not only was I there, I was the starting point guard. We had Mark Jackson that year before. So just things aligned for that moment. And we lost game one, but I had I had a good game for, for me. But we lost. Game two, we won. Game three, I think we came back home. I can't remember how it went, but game five, it was that moment. And then for it to come down to that, and I almost messed it up because I came down and slipped and lost the ball, and Vince got the loose ball and kicked it right back to me. And I, may, I didn't have anything else but to shoot. But just to be in that position after not playing the year before. Like, you know, I was, I was almost out of the NBA. I was almost – I mean, I was a free agent coming into that year. I wasn't playing at all. And then it was that moment. So – that that felt so good. My family was there. I got a chance to get some friends, some tickets, and, you know, people just knowing you going in New York City. If you're recognized in New York City, that was just all big to me. It was it was new, it was big, but it was the most exciting time. But once again, I just remember hugging Vince after that. I remember Ant- Antonio Davis just yelling my name. I remember Noodles, the coach, calling me. I remember Coach Wilkins really great. It was so many things that happened for me at that moment that I, I can't even explain it, but that was probably the best moment of my professional career, man. Like, honestly, like that moment, because I remember what, what it was the year before. I was the odd man out there. I got traded that year before. got sent back. It was a lot. And just having that moment for us to win our first playoff series, 
and being able to make a shot and be part of something really important, it, it felt good. Hey, Al, to, to that point then, um, and, and listen, I say this with all the respect in the world, the, that moment in time <laughs> here, where you were. Here it comes. A, no, here, no, here, no. Here comes the Will Smith, Chris Rock, goes backhand smack me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Al, put your hands behind. Al, put your hands behind your back. Get ready to take it. Get ready to take it. All right, I'm walking up the stage right now. Sir Mixalot, <laughs> e Sir Mixalot. Here comes a big butt. Here comes a big butt. No, no, there's no, there's no butt. There is no butt. There is no butt. There might be a however. <laughs> um, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes at this stage of his very young career at a much different spot than you were just describing for yourself as a young player. So let's see, there is no but. I'm, I'm merely acknowledging Scotty is a little further ahead, at least seemingly at this point in his young career, than you were at that point. However, with that said, he's going to be facing a postseason for the first time, uh, much like you did. Roles are different. lot in life at this point might be a little bit different, but especially for a young guy and many of those young guys on the Raptors team that aren't named Fred or Pascal or even OG who was hurt and not really part of that 2019 championship run, how does a guy like Scotty handle the spotlight and everything that goes with the postseason? This is kind of wrapping in everything we've talked about the last 20 minutes, but is it going to be different for him? Uh, is this simply just a great test for him? And and one of the things, Al, that Jones and I often talk about is whether you get swept or whether you advance, just getting that taste and getting that experience and what that means for you next year, five years, ten years from now, in terms of just knowing what the playoffs are all about. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip it on you. Scotty and myself, I'm I'm lightheads ahead of Scotty at, mo- at this moment, you know, because – I went four years in college. Mm-hmm. It was probably like my third or fourth year in the NBA. And I was much more mature. I was much more mature and I was much more ready for that position because I've been there. I've been around older players. And I got a chance to really – I didn't have the pressure on me, but emotionally and psychologically I would say, and I'm not taking anything away from Scotty, I'm, I'm I was at a different position. I was more mature. I was older. And although I didn't, may not have had much experience in the playoffs, but I was just an older man. I was an older pro. I was, I was just more – I was ready. And if I didn't succeed, then I wouldn't be the guy. We, that's, that's, he is what we thought he was. I was surprised. Scotty, if he, if he doesn't have a big game or a great series, if it's happened, you know, he's still a future. He's the future. Like, he's going to learn from this and he's going to get better, just like Vince Carter was, Right. Vince Carter didn't have a great series, but you weren't going to give up on Vince. Vince and learn, and then the next year he's going to, you know. So I think from Scotty, Scotty needs to go out there and enjoy this moment, appreciate this moment, recognize the moment, how serious it is, and it's going to be a great opportunity for him to make another step, right? We've seen what he's done in the regular season of his rookie year, but this is another step for him to show who he is, who he can be, and what the Raptors can rely on. You talk about, you know, the expectations of this organization. You're going to see some real stuff now. And I believe, once again, I was in a much – I was in, I was more ready than Scotty was for that moment. And I had to be because if not, then my shot was over. Scotty, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But he has some support, and he can go out there and play his game 
the way he needs to play his game, if he sink or swim, he's still going to be the future of this team and the NBA because he has that ability. Like how I flipped it on well, you. Um, like how I flipped it on you. You did yeah, flip you it did. on me, and I think it's a great point. Yeah, I think but, it's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it comes down to like regardless authority. So. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. No, re- regardless. Lost so. Jonesy. Oh, there he is. No, go I was going to say Jonesy, regardless. Go. I mean, it's all about the experience, and you know, to listen to you. So, it's uh, sorry, Al. It's about the experience, and to listen to you talk about it. You had gained that experience beforehand and were able to and had to wait to apply it in the playoffs. He's, he's going he's gonna to get it right out of the gate. And I, I'm not going to say things won't go well, but not many people are. It's, let, let me put it this way. It's hard to be really good at something or excellent at something the first time you do it. So if it takes him a game or two to get into it with the adjustments and the scouting reports and the way they're playing him, and it, it's, it, I, I won't be surprised, but knowing that he's got the capability to figure out and it'll be welcome to the playoffs, young fella. Yeah, no, it's going to be welcome. It's going to be everything. It's the most successful when he walked down the street. And I remember going down the street and seeing cars, you know, painted purple, you know, Raptors. You see everything, Jurassic Park. You're just going to see all, everything. And I, I, I think back, and you look at a Pascal Siakam, right? You think about, I guess, in the bubble. He didn't, he didn't play that well in the bubble. And I heard somebody say, man, if we had this Pascal Siakam that we have now in the bubble, we'd have went to the finals, or we'd have won the finals. And I'm like, but you couldn't have this Pascal because that Pascal was totally different. This this is the Pascal that went through the bubble. Yeah. It's like somebody saying 1986, if we had the Michael Jordan in 1993, they would have won 15 straight championships. That Michael Jordan had to grow into the Michael Jordan that we call the greatest of all time. So this is all the great times and the experiences that the players got to recognize that this is going to be a learning experience and it's going to be an opportunity to start setting your mark as, into greatness. And then you have to take it serious, and you make sure you have to learn from it. Now, you, whatever, good or bad, you know, you still have to grow from it. And because the challenges are always going to get steeper, and the challenges are always going to get tougher regarding from series to series. This first series, second series, third series, championship, everything like that. So, once again, it's a great opportunity. And I do believe, Scotty, not having to be like a Vince Carter to have to carry a team through the first round or first his first experience, he can play off of it. He can use his energy. He can still do everything that he does and continue to learn. He's in a great position. Al, we appreciate the time as always, man. I guess uh, when we speak next, we'll either be uh, previewing a postseason or, or, or maybe recapping game one. Whenever the next show comes, uh, it's coming fast and furious. Uh, this time next week, the Raptors might be on the floor. If they start Saturday, I'm, I'm sure the league's going to give them that early tip-off, right, Jonesy? It'll be noon or <laughs> 1 o'clock, so we might be in the middle of game one a, a week from today. So um, we'll be talking a lot about it and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Al. There is Alvin Williams, a longtime Toronto Raptor, and of course you see him and hear him on the Sportsnet broadcast now, and he will always be a part of uh, Smith & Jones uh, whenever we're hitting the airwaves. Uh, he will be a part of it, so we appreciate you keeping us locked in uh, on the dial or uh, on your downloads on podcasts. Again, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever. 
Please download, subscribe, rate, review, share it as well. We're going to step aside for a moment and come back with more Smith & Jones in a moment. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you again. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review, download and share as well. Uh, just some news to pass along uh, as it relates to Sunday when the Raptors get set to face the New York Knicks. Uh, Delano Banton, Isaac Bonga, Justin Champagny, and David Johnson uh, will all be out uh, for the uh, Raptors. Uh, Banton and Bonga on assignment and Champagne on his two-way, and they will be with Raptors 905, who are into the Eastern Finals, that game going on Sunday. So I'm sure they are uh, obviously being sent there, Jonesy, to the G League to try and help Raptors 905 get through uh, to the G League Championship. OG Ananobi still listed as questionable. For what it's worth, Fred Van Vliet not on the personnel report for Sunday's game against the Knicks. That said, I might be wrong about this, but I don't believe he was on the personnel report going into last night either, uh, and he was ultimately held out for that game uh, against the Houston Rockets, playing into what we were discussing earlier uh, as it relates to his uh, health, his status. And I'm just checking right now, double-checking, that yes, he was not on the personnel report uh, going into last night's game and ultimately did not play against the Rockets. Folks, this is not set up. Jones, you can confirm it, and, and hopefully folks can trust us and believe us. We did not set this up ahead of time. I did not tip him off to this. So this is all coming fresh, firsthand, uh, spur of the moment off the top of your head. I saw our colleague Amy Audibert sent a tweet out about this uh, earlier, Jonesy, and this is something that you and I, no disrespect to Amy, have talked about many times as well on Smith & Jones, on our Raptors broadcast, and even off the air in private conversations. The end of the year awards. The ballots are going to be due from the various national media members and whatnot. I believe by Monday morning at the latest, maybe it's Tuesday, but of course with the last regular season games going tomorrow, the ballots will be due in the next uh, 48 hours or so. We don't have ballots as team broadcasters. We used to, but we don't any longer. And one of the points we've made, and this is part of the reason I mentioned that, that Amy kind of wrote this on Twitter as well, is we're at a point now where... I don't know how many Raptors will win, if any, but you could make the legitimate case for Toronto, a Raptor player or coach, to be at the very least in the conversation, if not among the leading contenders in multiple different awards. Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. Pascal Siakam certainly for All-NBA. Most improved player, you could be looking at Precious Achua or Gary Trent. You certainly could be looking at Fred Van Vliet for all defense. How about Nick Nurse with a team that currently stands 15 games above 500 that many folks, especially stateside, had finishing bottom five in the conference and maybe even in the league. Now they're fifth overall in the East, and I have not heard many people talk about him as a coach of the year candidate. Now there are other great candidates, but Jonesy, the Raptors really could and should be getting a heck of a lot more chatter and respect than perhaps they are getting at this point. Well, especially for coach of the year. And, and here's, what, here's what I attribute this to, and we've talked about it. Um, in, in the case of uh, Pascal, Scotty, 
Gary Trent, Precious Achua, people like that, I think it comes down to the voters not paying attention to Toronto. And I'm sorry to sound like, you know, a petulant little Toronto fan that, oh, we don't get respected. But I, if I were to ask every voter, so how many Raptor games have you watched wall-to-wall this year? 48 minutes. Not the highlights, like turn on, you know, in the States, ESPN, or when you're in Canada, you know, Sportsnet or whatever. Like, like how many games have you sat down and watched? Because if you sit down and watch the impact that Pascal has on a game. Watch the impact that Scotty Barnes has on a game. Never mind the numbers, because I think most people vote by numbers. Like I, I'm in this, I'm in this thing now with Jokic for the MVP. His numbers are ridiculous. They're historical. Like he's doing things that not even Wilt did, but his team is sixth. And people are like, "Well, look at the numbers he's putting up without uh, Jamal Murray." Hey, dude, I got news for you. If he had Jamal Murray, he wouldn't be putting them numbers up. And he might be winning more, and he might even get more or better consideration for the MVP. But That's just one example. But people watch him. People don't watch the Raptors 48 minutes. Nick Nurse has been always been a great coach. He's got a coach of the year. And it's like, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Let's share it around. We're not going to consider Nick. Michael Jordan could have been the MVP every year. Oh, no, let's share it around. Can, can you believe that Kobe has one MVP? Shaq has one MVP? Because voters get fatigue and they start looking at other things. Giannis has two. He could get this year's. Like, so to apply that to the Raptors, people are just getting used to the fact that Nick, Nick Nurse can coach his butt off. And he looks at what... Masai and Bobby and Dan Tolzman give him for groceries and said, you know, I was going to make this, but I'm going to do this meal because of the ingredients I have. And he serves it up and damn, it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And, and so people are getting bored with that. They're like, oh yeah, like just give Nick some stuff. He'll figure it out. You know, he, he's got the leftovers in the fridge. Don't worry. It'll taste good. So they get, they get used to that. And, and, and so that's why you're not hearing any traction with Nick in my eyes, for the MVP, and you're hearing about, uh, you know, Taylor Jenkins and, 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 you know, rightfully so, Monty Williams, because he's done it back-to-back years, and Michael Malone and Jason Kidd, cause, because people don't look at it the same way. Ime Udoka is getting some traction. Hey, nobody's talking about Budenholzer. His team's got 50 wins again. They're poised for maybe another championship. Nobody's talking about Steve Kerr. 51 wins, third in the West, because there's voter fatigue and they just kind of get used to it and gloss over it. So uh, you take it as it comes. And and if you're Nick Nurse or Pascal or Scotty or Gary Trent or whatever, you just take solace in the fact that, damn, I'm good. I'm doing my job. And y'all will recognize me when we start putting up wins in the playoffs and we start hanging banners and and, and hurting people's feelings after April 15th. Hey, did you see the uh, little, uh, I don't know if it was a spat, it was more just throwing jabs at one another, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was nice entertainment, at least for me reading along, but our, our two friends, friends of the show, Eddie Johnson and Jared Greenberg, did you see the two of them going at it on Twitter the other day? Yeah, I, I actually listened to that live, uh, Eric, <laughs> as they were doing their interview. I, I was driving into the, to the, to the, uh, to the 
arena to the gym for mm -hmm. the game. And it was, and, and it was a classic. Uh, one was putting some stake in numbers and the other was looking at the eye test and, and taking into account some of more of the qualitative stuff. Yeah. And there's an argument for both sides. And, you know, the NBA can get around this if they define it, but they don't want to define it. They want the arguments. They want these discussions. I mean, I talked to one coach, Eric, who's a defensive coach, and I asked him about some of the numbers, and I asked him about defensive win shares. He goes, I don't even know what those are, and I don't pay attention to them. <laughs> and this guy runs a defense for an NBA team. <laughs> like... Well, two two things, two things, because I think we got like thirty seconds left in the show. One, folks, go at either Jared Greenberg's Twitter handle or Eddie Johnson's, and you can read back a couple of days and see what I'm talking about as they were going at it, talking about the the uh, case to be made or lack thereof for Monty Williams, for Devin Booker, for Coach of the Year, for MVP, and others. But let me close it with this, Jonesy, talking about coaching, talking about Raptors players and impact on winning and everything else. Best records in the NBA since December 31st: Suns, Mavericks. Celtics, Grizzlies, Raptors, Toronto Raptors, wow. fifth overall since December 31st. Folks, thanks for tuning in to Smith & Jones. Get it wherever you find your podcast, and we will talk to you again soon. All the best.